Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo boo, sit, boo boo, sit. Girl, I That's some bad hat hair. It's a cool show. Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from your life. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Westworld Season 3. And to do that, we are joined once again by friend of the show, Paul Mitzi of the Swap Swapcast podcast. Every time I try to do it, I trip myself up. How are you today, Paul? Yeah, good, thanks. I think... Does my show have a bit of that, like, 30 Rock, rural Jorah kind of thing to it? <laughs> a little, little bit. bit. A tiny bit. Tiny okay, bit. We'll, we'll say it's intentional then. Excellent. <laughs> how have you been, man? Uh, how are things in Adelaide? We're both, Damascus and I are in Melbourne, you're in Adelaide. Uh, what's that, eight hours drive away from us, basically? Yeah, yeah. An hour um, of flight? Can't complain. Uh, we're probably one of the best places on earth to be right now. We've got hardly any restrictions because we've got hardly any COVID nineteen. So, um, I, I'm very like I don't take it for granted. I'm very mm. appreciative appreciative of it every day. Mm. That's excellent. And when you have been in isolation, have you been keeping yourself sane, man? What have you been watching? What have you been doing? Okay, uh, so before I get to that, I just have to do like a little response to an episode of your show because I've been listening to your show. Uh-oh. And uh, <laughs> one of your Quarren TV uh, recommendation episodes, uh, mm. you talked about Dawson's Creek. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I, yes. I love Dawson's and I'm very happy that you mentioned it. Yeah. But I do take umbrage with the fact, Damas, that you yeah. said it wasn't great TV because... <laughs> I would absolutely say that it was great TV. Look, if if you're a Dawson head, as we call ourselves, um, obviously it's great TV. But I just got to, you know, I can't ruin my reputation if that's the only episode people listen to. They're like, this chick's a fucking idiot. So it was just a little proviso. But of course I believe that wholeheartedly. I have to say, personal experience, I've never cried in anything more than the finale of Dawson's Creek. Oh, my God. No It'll other movie or TV series has made me cry that much. Oh. And mm. and you have to agree, like, the whole Jack storyline was very progressive for its time. It was. As a gay teen that was the same age as what the characters were supposed to be in the show growing up, it was a huge deal to mm. have a teenager my age coming out of the closet, dealing with all of that stuff when no other shows were doing the same thing, so... Mm. Yeah, in my Jack book and- that gives us an A plus. Fair Great enough. TV. Jack and Jen, one of the best uh, relationships on TV ever. So here, here. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And now you can watch all of Dawson's Creek on Stan, I believe. I you keep can. getting ads yeah. for it when I'm watching other stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. there. 
Um, but in terms of now, um, I have been watching a few shows. I finally finished an anime I've been watching for a little bit on Netflix called Carol and Tuesday. Um, have you guys heard of this? No. It's from the maker of um, Cowboy Bebop. And it's a sci-fi show. It's set on Mars about two girls um, who decide to become a pop duo. So it's kind of like a coming-of-age, rags-to-riches, star-is-born type story, but set on Mars in the future. Cool. And uh, he's got all all these musical artists to create original music for every episode. So it's also like it's a full-blown musical at times. Um, one of the most individual, interesting, fun shows to watch on Netflix. So highly recommend. Um, Millie, Mindy Kaling's new show, Never Have I Ever. Um, this is the one I need to watch. Yeah, apparently. I've watched that. So good. Yeah, binge watched it so mm-hmm. quickly, which I'm not a binge watcher normally. So um, loved it. Um, and Hollywood, the Ryan Murphy mm. show. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got mixed feelings about, like, the message of the show is pretty uh, problematic. But uh, in terms of, like, pure entertainment, I was, like, hooked from minute one. Yeah. I do think that would be the, the limited amount of that I've seen, I think, would be a very interesting show to talk about in mm. terms of what it does right, what is very appealing about the show, and then maybe what it's fundamentally doing wrong at the same time. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's yeah. really interesting. Just going back to that anime for a second um, yeah. that you're watching. What was it called again? Carolyn Tuesday. So the so this is the same person who did Cowboy Bebop, and then yeah. that was Samurai Ch- Chompaloo. Is that yeah. right? And he did uh, Space, Space Dandy. Dandy. Yeah. yeah. Have so, you were you a fan of any of those other shows? Obviously, I Cowboy lo- Bebop's heralded as like being one of the best anime ever. Yeah, I loved um, Cowboy Bebop, and I absolutely love Space Dandy, which was one of the most experimental shows on TV. Where uh, I've never seen another animated show where they completely changed the art style every episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool! So it's cool. the same characters, but completely animated in a different way. In the w- wow. whole world is presented in a different way every episode. That's um, very and cool. that's another one that had a very like interesting use of music, like all these shows do. So. Mm. Mm. I remember, I think that all I've seen of Space Dandy pretty much is without any sound in, on a TV in the background of a vegan restaurant down the road from yeah. my place. It's yeah. always either Miyazaki stuff or it's Space Dandy. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> on that on that as well, just on the theme of like Japanese television, yeah. there's a new show, I think it's new, on uh, Netflix. It's a live action series called Kantaro the Sweet Tooth Salary Man. Have you guys heard about this at all? No. Not at all, no. I definitely <laughs> recommend giving it a try. It's just, it's this very anime feeling live action show about this guy, just a work, you know, an office worker in Tokyo sort of thing. And his passion is like sweets. Mm. And so he sneaks out on his lunch breaks and stuff like this. And I've only watched bits and pieces while my uh, housemate's been watching it more properly. But he sneaks out and like is obsessed with like these sweets to the point of like verging on orgasm. And mm. there's this really funny storyline about being caught. Like in the act, uh, it's what I've watched of it's very cute, very, very, Ooh. very fun. Okay. What, where can definitely we find that? That's on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. Kentaro, the Sweet Tooth Salary Man. I am got. That's I'm adorable. adding that to my list right now. It's got. The, I think it got me. There was a scene I was watching. There was a full on Evangelion Neon Genesis reference, and I was like, "That's yeah, that's that's for me this show." Uh, this awesome. Me. <laughs> uh, what about you, Damask? Anything exciting going on? Um, I've just finished just before we started recording. Uh, Dead like me. Uh, uh, dead to me. Dead to me. Sorry. I'm sorry we did you. dead like me. We're never we going did. back there I'm again. Never fucking watch that again. <laughs> never going oh, back God. there. Imagine again. that quarantine's got me so insane. <laughs> you went and watched <laughs> the watched movie it. finally. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Um. Yeah. Sorry. So I watched uh, Dead to Me. Um. Mm-hmm. 
and I love it. I love that show. It's so season two's just come out, and Christine Applegate is amazing. It's very funny. It's also super heart wrenching and f- heartbreaking. But the chemistry of the two female leads is off the charts. Like just, you know, I love female friendship, Brod. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite things and it absolutely nails it and I cannot recommend it enough. It's really funny and really good. Who are the leads again? Christina Applegate and I can't remember the other ladies. Linda name. Cardellini. I exactly. knew you'd get it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I love season, season one. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching season two. I haven't had a chance yet. I think you'll like it, yeah. Have you had a chance yet, Damask, to watch the Parks and Rec special? No, I forgot about it. <laughs> you got to remind me. You know my memory is terrible. So well, I know I have it. Now that that's happened, apparently this is happening all over the place. Is a happy endings one that's coming out as well. I'm so excited. Yeah. And Community is also doing not an, an individual episode. They're doing a cast like a table read essentially of an episode from season five, um, which I'm looking forward to. But since doing that, they've already released, I think, an episode of the Darkest Timeline, which is the Joel McHale and mm. Ben, uh, sorry, uh, Ken Jung. Uh, podcast with all of the cast members on it except for Chevy Chase but all the main cast members and Dan Harmon on it I'm just this is we're living through a community <laughs> renaissance this is amazing I know what a, so this, good. I, I can't believe it I'm in love at the moment with what's going on did this you hear Pedro Pedro Pascal is going to be in that community table read no is he playing the role that um, oh, uh, Walter Goggins was meant to be it plays in the show Oh, I'm not sure. I just saw that he was going to be in it. So That's cool. That's cool. I Very like that. Now, if it can just be in the movie as well, that'd be really, really cool. We <laughs> need to do that. All right. Let's not delay any longer. And let's get to our spoiler-free review of Westworld Season 3. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Westworld Season 3 is, in a word, different. We've stepped out of the park, now we're in the great wide world. Gone are many familiar faces, replaced with a bunch of new ones, including Aaron Paul, Vincent Cassell, John Gallagher Jr., Tommy Flanagan, Lena Waithe, Scott Mascudi, Martian Lynch, and Pom Clementif. Westworld Season 3 consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 55 minutes, and took us approximately seven hours and 50 minutes to watch. To the surprise of many, Westworld will return for a fourth season. So, before we get started, on this review what did you guys think of season one and season two Damascus we'll start with you I really enjoyed season one um while it was a bit mind bendy um which is not something that I super love it I just think it had such a great heart to it so it had us really invested in some of its main characters in this very strange world and just kind of blew my mind I thought it was beautiful I thought the score was amazing I was a big fan of season one and I fucking hated season two. I thought it was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not mincing words there at all. No. Uh, I think the longest episode of the podcast we ever did may have been about Westworld season one. Mm. We enjoyed it that much. There's just so much mm-hmm. to dive into. Uh, Paul, what do you think of season one and season two of Westworld? Season one is phenomenal TV. Um, it just the way it was plotted and the production values behind it, it was just an amazing season of TV and really showed what peak TV could produce. Um, No other time in history could a show like that exist. Um, Season two had its share of problems. It was overly convoluted and hard to follow um, for no reason, really, except they just wanted to confuse everyone. It still had some like beautiful production design imagery, like the whole Japan world 
I loved the look of that. Um, but in terms of the plotting, it was it just got it was silly at times, and um, yeah, it it I didn't hate it, but it was nowhere near what the show achieved in season one. Yeah, I think that were definitely my feelings as well. Season one, incredible television. This was something they were trying to be, like, turn into the next Game of Thrones. That was the whole idea. That was the way they were uh, touting in any ways, being like a replacement for Game of Thrones when Game of Thrones is over. And season one sort of had that going for it. Really intriguing plot. Uh, great characters. Uh, very, very sort of intelligent um, show and with some great little twists and turns along the way. Really rewarding by the end of season one. A lot of promise at the end of that. Season two... I think rather than try and double down on the great groundwork they did, they tried to replicate the amazing sort of twist of season one. And by trying to be twisty, turny, complicated and um, like confusing, they stuffed themselves. Um, And so while it did have some highlights and some really good individual episodes as well, Mm -hmm. there was one based around um, a Native American character in particular that was excellent and a few others along the way uh overall though it became a bit of a mess and Mm. i was not a fan of season two at all paul would you like to go first giving your review of season three sure thing i love i love throwing the guests under the bus first (laughs) i'm so excited to hear it well last time i didn't write one this time i wrote one so Ah. it's it's a bit lesser less of a bus throw all right so um When I watched the first episode of season three, it really felt like the showrunners were setting themselves up for success. Immediately, efforts are made to make the storytelling more clear and easy to follow, while setting up interesting and thought-provoking ideas. It is reported that the budget was cut on this season, but the world beyond the park that we are seeing for the first time is beautifully presented and the details in the world building are wonderfully realised. This is especially impressive compared to another recent sci-fi show that had its budget significantly cut between seasons, Altered Carbon, which we reviewed last time I was on, Mm -hmm. whose look went from Ridley Scott to sci-fi channel original movie between season one and season two. Unfortunately, Westworld season three does not maintain this momentum throughout, and I lay most of the blame directly on a single character. Newcomer Caleb, played by Aaron Paul, who I think is the Poochie of Westworld. All I want to do is get to the fireworks factory. Maeve, Dolores, Bernard, the inner workings of Delos, the interesting explorations of free will and artificial intelligence. But the show runners clearly felt like the audience wanted to spend time learning the backstory of this new character who I found to be bland and unlikable. Westworld has set up such complex, diverse, fun characters. Why, oh why, did they think what everyone wants is another boring, tough white guy with a chip on his shoulder? Overall, despite some of the clunky storytelling in the latter half of the season, which I'm sure we will discuss in detail, I still enjoyed watching this. I just wish wish it maintained the momentum it set up in the first few episodes. Season 3 of Westworld showed us that there's still life in this series, and while it will probably never reach the heights of Season 1 again, I'm still more than happy to dive into this world for Season 4. Excellent. Damask, you're next. (coughs) I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) She loved it. She loved it. I can already tell. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it. Okay. This season is better than the last, but that's not really a compliment. 
Westworld season two was such an absolute shit show that it made me want to give up television. It infuriated me. Thankfully, though, that season gave me at least two standout episodes to lessen the pain. When I say this season is better, what I mean is that it is less infuriatingly obtuse than the last. For the first half, at least. However, season three, just like the last, is still devoid of heart or any real emotional resonance. It doesn't even have two standout episodes to break up the soul-sucking experience. This season feels like a copy of a copy of a copy of a show that used to be about something because the characters within it mattered to you. These people, or these characters, no longer mean anything to me. Technology is so insane in this show now that it can literally do anything and therefore muddies the stakes. Machines can control other machines with their mind and be all-knowing, but our characters are mostly a bunch of machines fighting each other, so the possibilities seem endless. There is so much power being thrown around that it doesn't even matter at all. This god fights this god. One of the gods is selfish, but also the other one is kind of selfish too. But also we're never really told the truth of their motivations until the end. So at what point am I meant to care about any of the choices being made? Seriously, at what moment am I meant to be invested in either the destruction or salvation of humanity or robot kind? I don't know this world, everyone seems pretty shit, so I don't care. And the characters that I was invested in during season one no longer care about their own personal investment in the plot. Instead, it's all save the world or don't save the world. Snooze. The writers have an inability to let characters go most of the time. Instead, they are brought back season after season to have disjointed revelations about a life that once was and which I stopped caring about when season one finished. Certain characters seem entirely inconsequential and yet they are always right in the thick of things. Maybe there's a reason for it. Oh, nope. But don't worry, you'll get a hint that'll be important next season. For fuck's sake, don't do that. Either give your characters something worthwhile and or interesting to do or leave them out of your story. Particularly since many of these characters are lifeless and flat, no one is just there to be a charm machine, so that can't be an excuse for why I have to sit through watching the most uninteresting characters go from place to place just because they have to, for reasons that the audience isn't allowed to know. Now let's talk about Aaron Paul. He is miscast, and also his character is absolutely nothing, so don't expect his presence to make this show better for you, it won't. In fact, it might just make you angry that his character, who should infuse the season with much-needed heart, is instead flat, cliched, and almost entirely passive. I don't like this show, and I officially hate Brod and now Paul for making me watch another season of it. That's my review. Uh, Okay. Uh, Just on the Aaron Paul thing, Mm. I don't think you're wrong that he's miscast. I also don't think he had much to work with. No, he didn't at all. See, that's the thing. This... I was like, at least if it was a guy who wasn't Aaron Paul, I could be like, oh, it's nothing or whatever. But the expectation when you put him in your cast is that it's going to be worthwhile, and mm. it fucking wasn't. There's this idea that comes up with his character, like basically in the last episode, the last couple of episodes, that I really want to talk to you about in particular. Just, it's not even like, it's not like a big revelation or anything. It's just the idea of what his role is meant to be in this. Mm. And no work is put into making that seem like a possibility at all, like a thing that he is destined or meant to be doing. Mm. We'll talk about that in spoilers. 
Overall, I haven't actually written anything out specifically. I've just got notes today. I think I agree with pretty much both of you equally in some weird way. Uh, <laughs> my first note is just that this was a mistake, both season three and us reviewing it, basically. <laughs> after, Like Paul, though, after the first episode, I was like properly in. I was refreshed by what the show was doing. I was like, oh, this is exciting and new and different. And it was executing a lot of things well. It seemed to have learnt lessons from the last season. It wasn't fucking around this season. It wasn't stretching things out too long. It wasn't pretending that revelations like had to be like kept away from us. They were giving us these little mysteries in one episode and then revealing them by the end of the episode, the next episode. And I was like, that I appreciate that. You're not trying to overstretch the mystery mi- mystery there. There was immediate follow through. Things were more coherent and relatively easy to follow. There was no like pretending this is a different timeline and stuff. Everyone was saying it's been three months since this, three months since that. We knew we were in time and I really appreciate that and something they were doing particularly in the first four episodes I thought was they were sort of like character focused episodes they weren't exclusively about one character but they seemed to like center around a very very meaty a story and then just have some other stuff going on around it and it gave them a sense of being individual and purposeful and I liked that there was some really cool action in the first episode in particular as well there's a bit and I will mention it specifically, but there's a shot that's sort of inside a car that involves watching the action in the car, out the, the front window, and in the reverse camera. And I was like, that was cool, original, well-executed, and elegant. I liked all of that. And then I, there's some potentially relevant themes here, building this world that's like rigged and people can't escape the the uh, the loops they've been given, basically. Yes, it reflects back on earlier seasons. It can also sort of reflect on capitalism today. The idea that you're promised you can be anything, but realistically, there's only a very particular small amount of the elite that can ever uh, sort of achieve greatness like that. All those sorts of things. And then as the show went on and the season went on, especially into the back half, things just devolved and dissolved. The action got way more generic and worse. That one good idea they had in the first episode did not follow through at all. There are so many samurai swords and lazy gunfights and car chases. Car chases with cars that are almost like golf carts, I might add, and like just do not work in an action setting. Just really bad. The the There's just this very... Um, everything's about sort of this modern sci-fi. Actually, it reminded me a lot at different times of Altered Carbon Season 1, where I was like, mm. I've seen these ideas a million times before in The Matrix, inside Altered Carbon, inside whatnot. They didn't have anything really original to say. What the first season did so well was it had these big ideas, but it had the characters and the focused character storytelling to make it mean something more than just, you know, generic science fiction, and that fell away completely. I think the biggest sin for me this season was it was just it was basic it's not westworld anymore whatever made westworld special in season one it squandered in season two and is completely lost now it is not the same show at all it's melodrama with way too much emphasis on boring stale action it's just it's mush now i'm angry that i was sucked back into this both by the trailers for season three which got me into it by, season, by episode one that made me think the show was going to be good again and then by the end of it going, no, this is not good. Um, and I'm, I'm really angry that the show barely resembles what the show that I loved in season one because I really, really did love it. And all I kept thinking to myself and saying to my brother who was watching it with me was, remember how good season one was? And that's, that's what I'm left with. It was one good season of television and I don't, I don't know what this is anymore. That's my review. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, 
could you please give us a score out of five, Paul? Okay, so I'm sure this will be the highest out of the three of us, but I'm, I'm going to give it a three out of five. A three. What 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 gives you the three? What's what's getting it to a three? I still like. I'm a sucker for the world building. I'm I'm a sucker for like all the future technologies, and I love the look of the show, like the production value of the show. I think like, and except I'll I'll say in spoilers some issues I had with it, but I think generally the show looks great. I love the soundtrack. I love the the way that episodes are directed in a way. Um, so it it kind of lets me forgive some of the storytelling failures a bit. So I think it's just my personal preference. Um, but I think on a pure storytelling level, I'd probably give it like a two out of out of five. But three overall. Damascus, what about you? Um, I was just looking at my notes for season two and it says here I gave it a three which is bizarre you did but, yeah all I of can my re- I can remember why the yeah. because at the time it was doing things that we weren't seeing on television like the production mm. values were so high mm. the ambition of the show was so high that even though it was screwing it up they, they, you could feel the ambition you could mm. feel the originality of it and that was something and you did have those highlight episodes yeah, those couple episodes true. you could pull out and go well that was amazing and that was amazing at least yeah so I think yes this season is better than season two however I have no goodwill left and I, like I didn't other than like the first couple of episodes, first few episodes where I was like, oh, you know, it's potential. We're in a whole new world, blah, blah, blah. Um, it f- fell flat on its ass. So I'm giving it a two. Uh, if I'm checking our notes correctly, I gave season two a 2.5 and mm-hmm. similarly justified it based on the ambition and its originality and so forth. And I'm giving this season a two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some good stuff in there for sure. There are little moments and highlights along the way. There is a lot. I, I, I was annoyed when I saw how long the last episode was. Like I saw, I was like seventy <laughs> something minutes. I was like, I can't believe you're doing this to me. I think mm. I always know a show is really, really off track when the opening credits are the highlight of the show. Like the thing that I'm enjoying the most is just the beautiful CGI and the great theme song. If that's what's keeping me going, mm. things aren't going well. Actually, I wanted to ask that, Damas. Does this count on your like hatred of? opening credits of things getting made in close-up? Um, yeah, so I really like the... Because they're different titles than the previous seasons, right? Yes, yeah, they, they, change, they change every season, yeah. yeah. So this one isn't as bad as the original one, um, but, yeah, it, it definitely is on the list, yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we would really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you are watching this on video, you can hear the rest of this episode in audio format via Acast or via your favorite podcast app. For everyone else, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering... The spoiler zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one, two, and three of Westworld. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Westworld up to this point. If not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. All right, to begin with, I just want to go back to a few of the little things or comments you guys made in your reviews. Um, Damas, let's start with you, actually. Mm. You asked the question, when were we meant to care? At what point? What were we meant to care about? Mm -hmm. Are you going to answer that question now? I think the answer is obvious. It's during the super heavy-handed moments where, like, everybody in humanity gets their file sent to them or whatever, their data, and Mm. they just lose their minds wherever they're sitting or standing on a train. In just the clunkiest, most heavy-handed melodrama I've ever seen. Not ever seen. But, like, it's like those are the moments that you're meant to care about. When you see a guy just staring out into the ocean while other stuff's going on in the background and those sorts of moments. Like, that's that's when you're meant to care, I think. If, but, like- I, got, if I got an app, a notification saying this is everything that's going to happen in your future, I would not immediately take it all as true and then, like, mm. fucking, like, punch my partner in the face and like <laughs> kill my kid or whatever like exactly what would be like what the fuck is this yeah like, <laughs> there'd be like- a lot of scrutiny about what this means and what it is yeah exactly. yeah but also like not only that who gives a fuck about these people i don't know who these people are yeah. i don't know <laughs> like humanity sucks apparently and they're all living shitty crappy lives i don't care about them am i meant to care about them well theoretically we just need to care about one or two of them and that's what they're trying to do with Caleb for the most part and then Ugh. his crime GTA 5 pals you know so the terrible. ones who are also you know doing their video game crimes across the city and stuff like that mm. uh, the other one Paul um, you said you had issues with a couple of parts of the show and how it looked in particular oh I just felt like 
you know, the show made such an effort to make, to present this like really beautiful world, all this view of the future, where everything looks futuristic and pristine. And I love that aesthetic and I loved where we were going. And then I feel in the last couple of episodes, we ended up just being in like a generic um, old warehouse looking place. And it just went from like awesome to just bland. Like I felt like we were watching any other TV show. Um, mm. Yeah. It just lost them that whole visual style. And it looked like something I would have seen in the early two thousands, like watching dark angel or alias <laughs> or any of those kind of shows. Yeah. It didn't feel like Westworld anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it's just its priorities changed. Like the reason it felt good in the first couple of episodes because it was slow. It was taking its time. It was it was showing like when they're in one of those like flying car things, you'll see the whole city, and it's like very Minority Report. I thought where it's mm-hmm. like recognizably still the bones of what we recognize today, but then built onto it is this technology and like. And you could feel that and it was really organic. And that's again what season one did really well as well. I thought is like the technology in that while hyper real to the point of almost being magical it also was there was a lot of attention paid to it and it Mm. was it took its time to examine all those little bits and when it got mushy in this season is when it just became about action and particularly the last episode was like a video game it's like what was really annoying to me was the mission was really unclear. I knew they had to get to insight, right? But mm. there was no idea of like why they had to go the way they were going. And they just started walking and then they'd hit a bunch of bad guys, they kill them, they hit a mm. mini boss, kill that one, move on to the next one, there'd be another mini boss, move on and on and on until they just climbed their way up the tower. And it was like it lost any sense of like a feeling of of the world or location or, or place at all. And it was just because it's all it wanted to do was just get to the next action scene. It was mm. so stale. I do appreciate mm. a show that allows me to do my household chores because there's so many action sequences, which is great. So that's kind of that's a plus. That's where the two comes in in my score. There's nothing you respond to less in a TV show than action, is there, Damas? <laughs> exactly. So boring. While we're talking about the world, though, I'll talk about things that I did like about this. I did like the Uber for crime or Taskmaster for crime. I don't think that's a terrible idea. Did you? Like, yeah, as as a con like as a concept, it's silly, but mm. it's also kind of like in line with how technology is going in our daily lives. Like, uh, everything is via Uber, everything is um, ride share, or you know any of those sorts of mm. things. Now, why doesn't this start to happen for crime? Organized through an anonymous app, a crew of randos who have never worked together before, so it's hard to trace. Whatever, blah blah blah. It's like there's something to that which is not terrible. Um, mm. Like the bit where there's a sequence when Dolores is in an ambulance and the EMTs have no idea what they're doing. They're waiting for a diagnosis from the computer and they won't act on her until then. I did like that. I like that. This reliance Mm on AI and technology. Like there's little things in there. Even just the idea of this algorithm that sort of controls everyone's life. It's it's a big idea. Did you guys respond to that at all? Um, Like it was an interesting idea. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Poignant silence pause, there, guys. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know if the show made it plausible enough. Like, mm. if, um, like, uh, I don't know if you guys have been watching the show Devs that's been no. out this year. It's a very similar it concept. Um, and 
that show made it very clear how the AI was like working out what people are going to do next. Mm. Sure. This, I don't know, by controlling people's macro decisions, would it really know every single thing that's going to happen in their lives? Because there just seems to be so many outside forces that can push mm. people in certain directions. I don't know. It, it, yeah, I it think wasn't like, clear enough. It could be an interesting thing, but I think the real failing is Aaron Paul's character, who, whose name I refuse to remember. Caleb. Um, Caleb. No, I refuse to remember it, <laughs> but thanks, guys. Um, so he should be our catalyst for caring about that or why that is of consequence um, or it's affecting in any way. But mm-hmm. he's just so nothing that, like, yeah, I guess it's it's a cool concept, but so what? You know, it, like and it didn't feel that important that this random dude who's having fucking flashbacks all the goddamn time about mm. s- another character that I also didn't care about. Um, yeah, no, it, it none of it mattered. You can like fill it with as many like, oh, what about this? Oh, this is a cool like futuristic idea. But if I don't feel anything, like if it's meant to be a bad thing or a good thing, if I don't feel that, then who cares? And I think it was pretty clear from the beginning that whatever was happening in those flashbacks was going to turn out to be wrong yeah. or like uh, uh, implanted Yeah, it was deliberately memory. obtuse, yeah. yeah. So, like, why should we care about any of those flashbacks? Because we know they're going to end up being wrong. Like, which ones are real? Which ones aren't? What's What are we seeing that's relevant? It's yep. just too it's- murky. To give the a show about. is literally every time that f- those flashbacks were happening, I just felt like an annoying little kid was like saying in my face, "You don't know what I know. You don't know what I know." I'm just like, "Just fucking tell me what you know or shut up." Like mm. I just found it. It gets like diminishing returns after a while. And if the reveal was like mind blowing, like if we find out, mm. oh, that was what was going on the whole time. Yeah, it was so worth the wait. Like it would mm-hmm. be a different story, but yeah. like it was what we kind of assumed was going on from the beginning anyway. So why mm-hmm. hold out off on it for so long? Yeah. the The problem is as well the big reveal they they get to with Caleb just was not built up to or there's no evidence of why that was meaningful leading up to that reveal because like the initial reveal in the first episode which i'm glad they just it was one episode's worth of him talking on the earpiece to this francis guy right the reveal is it wasn't really him he was talking to an ai who was helping him to deal with that i was like if they dragged that out for a whole season i was gonna hate the show because it was obvious straight away that he was Mm. not talking to a real person Mm -hmm. and then the reveal at the end of the episode one i was like cool they've got an idea they're not gonna just drag it out it's saying something about this guy where he's been what he's dealing with and what the Mm -hmm. world is like today cool i'm happy with that that all worked yeah the next reveal was that uh the system had determined that he was going to commit suicide within 10 to 12 years and therefore wasn't willing to invest in him long term which is why he couldn't make his way up the social and like professional ladder Mm -hmm. and i honestly i thought that was a good reveal too and if you want to just give me the idea that dolores meets this everyday schmo who's been used and abused and spat out the other end and cannot make a life for himself and therefore he's going to buck the system because mm. other people like like him are doing are in the same position that works for me that mm-hmm. actually is fine where the show fell apart was we found out that Dolores always planned to have Caleb as part of this knew that he was one of these outliers that for some reason he was special 
like mm. a freaking, um, you know, prophesized savior of the world sort of thing, and then tried to tell us that he was meant to be a leader. What evidence was there anywhere in the show <laughs> that he was leadership material? It just mm. does not exist on any level. That really annoyed me. I was at that point. Yeah, I, was just I like, quite like the idea nonsense. of yeah, like you said, just an average Joe who's just you know this thing happens around him and then all of a sudden he's thrust into it and then yeah he becomes a leader through the choices that he has to make but like I said in my spoiler free review he is so passive mm-hmm. and yet so integral and he, he literally if he was you know catatonic in bed and Dolores was wheeling him around it would have been the same thing <laughs> does he ever do anything that's his own choice does he ever do anything that Dolores is not explicitly instructing him to do along the way I can't think of anything. I can't think of a <laughs> single thing. And so this idea that he's some sort of outlier, that he's someone who can make a choice where others can't, or that he's some sort of leader is Oh, no, no. He nonsense. is a leader because he doesn't rape women, which is all I need in a man. Oh, that's I'm gonna vote right. For them. That was the justification because he was the <laughs> nice guy that said, let's go to bed instead, guys, instead yeah. of doing this, guys. Oh, wow. Yeah. That just... Mm. Okay. <laughs> Do we have any other thoughts on Caleb? I think that really sums it up, my thoughts in general. I'll tell you what else I didn't like. Just get really specific for a second. Episode four or five, genre, right? Mm. The episode where he was on this like- It's uh, episode five. Episode five. Mm. This digital drug, whatever they were calling it. And the idea was it like took you through these multiple eras of like film genre and stuff like that. It started out in black and white. And then turned into, I don't know, melodrama or something. And then a, a romance was in there and that sort of thing. Well, that I go on. Yeah. So that's taking place during this very long action sequence, uh-huh. but just broke up all the tension in that scene. So I couldn't be present with it because he was just kind of like, once again, sitting there passively being like, what's going on? And then Dolores, you know, who is invested in that situation, we're only seeing it through his, I don't know, noir pill that he'd taken. And Mm. it just kind of like, it was distracting. I don't, it didn't add anything. It just actually took me completely out of it. And it wasn't really well done. Like it wasn't mm -mm. like if they really got the, the details of each genre and made it really look like, Oh, now I'm watching a noir film or now I'm watching a, a, a romance or whatever, it would be different, but it was just done in the most bland way possible. All they mm-hmm. did was just choose a song from each genre and that was pretty put much Put a filter it. on it. And they did Instagram filter, yeah. That's a fan video if ever I've seen something. <laughs> they did a filter commit- in a song. Done. They didn't commit to the idea. <laughs> like, if you're going to do that, the whole episode needs to be, from Kayla's point of view, the whole episode needs to work in that way. You need to do the micro details rather than mm. just the broad strokes, more it than just the filter and the music. It needs to add something to it. It needs it to have a to purpose. Add, have purpose and it needs to say something at the end of it. Mm. It did none of those things. It's way too silly an idea for an episode of Westworld to half heart, just to do it half-heartedly. Mm. And then they went as far as to name the e- title of the episode genre. And it's like, you didn't, you didn't earn this. By far the more interesting thing in that episode was we're getting the backstory of Serac or Serac whatever his name was yeah. and like so it's it was just com- so disconnected and it just did not commit to that idea whatsoever I, I don't understand what the point of that was at all because it wasn't fun and it wasn't well done agreed <laughs> <laughs> um, what about Dolores this season do you, how do we how do we feel about Dolores at this point 
You know, the she was the ranch girl who mm. was integrated with a I mean, suicidal, I was loving her badass vibe player. at the very beginning mm. um, and kind of, you know, running the system and just kind of being a badass, kind of, you know, alias spy. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing her have power. I think it gets to the stage where she is so all-powerful and all-knowing um, that I don't have a personal attachment to her anymore. Like, I don't really know what she's fighting for because so often I'm not allowed to have that information because we need to reveal at the very end as to what exactly her motivations are. Um, so as we went along, I just became more and more detached. But I think with like the first three episodes, I was pretty invested in how she was going to navigate this new human world and what she was going to do in it. I thought the idea of her, like the big reveal that all the pearls were copies of herself Mm. and that she's implanted them in all these different people. And I thought that was a really cool reveal and has such awesome storytelling potential because you've got all these different versions of herself that are slowly becoming different people because they're having different experiences than her and are they going to still be on the same page when she needs them to help her complete the mission this is like rife with story potential if they decided not to make it so action heavy and make it like verbal sparring matches between the different delori that would have made for great tv and it was Mm -hmm. a big missed opportunity Agree 100%. I just, I, I'm struggling to find Dolores compelling because mm. we don't get to spend any time or very little time with her internally. The reveal of all the other pearls being Dolores was certainly unexpected. I did feel a little cheated that it wasn't people that we knew from the park because that's certainly what the setup out of the end of season two was. She'd taken five of these other pearls, who are they going to be? And it'd be, I would have liked to have seen like, it was never going to be Teddy, but let's just use Teddy as an example, right? What Teddy thinks of what's going on. And like these mm. characters I'm already attached to. So to make them other Delori, which has got story time potential, but only really concentrate on what one of them cares about. I never really understood properly what the other three were doing. There was very little... Like, they didn't explore that idea nearly enough. I agree with you 100%, Paul. It's just, it's not there, unfortunately. And I don't know. I just, I don't, there's nothing There's nothing that really compels me about Dolores anymore. She's just a sort of one-minded apocalypse machine at this point. I'm not, there's nothing there. Yeah, this, this is a, what I was saying earlier about Caleb. He took away all this screen time from the characters mm. we already care about mm. and the storylines that could have been so interesting. Like, mm. give this screen time back to Maeve. Give it back to Dolores. And the fans will love it because we love these characters. This is what we came to see. Mm. And your story is going to be better. Like, I just don't understand why they didn't go in that direction. Like, could they not afford to have these actors in as many scenes or I I don't understand. Yeah. I think something that I was just scratching my head at the final episode when we find, when Dolores is saying, you know, she sees the beauty in the world and, you know, there, there is hope and all that stuff. I'm like, I don't think it detracts from the show at all. If we know Dolores's motivation from, I don't know, at least the midway point. So we know she, what she's fighting for. So we can either be with her or against her, whatever it might be. I just think it would have been more, yeah, compelling if I knew that she 
was trying to do something good and she was fighting against all those odds where it, I didn't really care that she wanted to kill all of humanity at that stage. Well, there's the, the, the potential there is if she meets Caleb, this human being who she has sort of decided at this point that all mm. humans are bad pretty much, right? Yeah. And then by meeting this person who is stuck in a system like she is, she decides that maybe there is something worth saving there and seeing her change and struggle and stuff mm. like that. But you don't... She's not being challenged by the, the status quo. She's not being challenged by the new work, world that she's in at any stage. Her mind is made up and everything else is just going to her plan at that point. Her real only obstacles are fighting people like Maeve along the way. Like that is... Her obstacles are all action, like physical obstacles. They're the not The fact that all that internal Maeve is at all. this season is a boss is so upsetting. And that's like, the other thing. Fucking oh. hell. Like, what a waste of a cool character that I think we all loved in season one mm-hmm. and was so interesting and heartbreaking. And, like, God damn it! like, every time she was reset in season one, you mm-hmm. were right there with her and you were, like, on the edge of your seat. Like, how is she going to figure out all these things? Um, yeah, and the odds were stacked against her. And it was so interesting to watch. And then this season, she's, like... The bad guy's henchman, and mm. it's fucking dull. It, it's just it's naive. Uh, so Maeve at this point seems naive. It's like remember we were talking about um, the conspiracy theory episode of Community not long ago. It's the idea if you keep teaming up with everybody, you're not teaming up with anybody, and you're yeah. just doing random <laughs> shit. That's me. That's Maeve this season. It's like her. Mo- she just keeps flip flopping from whether she's working with Serac to not working with Serac to working with Dolores to whatever. It's like she doesn't have a solid motivational foundation apart from I want to be with my daughter, um, which is really vague and just not enough at Smooth, this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's there's really good stuff in there with her. I like the war, war world stuff with her. It was fun to see another part of the park because God knows I missed that a lot this season was just being in the park at all. Mm. Um, the moment when we reveal that they're in a simulation inside like a cradle-like thing like Mm. from season two when the aspect ratio pushed in and I was like, cool, cool, Mm -hmm. well done. You use the, you know, the filmmaking or TV language to your advantage here and you made this work in a really cool way and then like the glitching the video games thing, that was fun and then she just turns into fucking super ninja samurai sword wielder who (laughs) is doing whatever she's being told most of the time and doesn't seem to have any real agency. Yeah, episode two where uh, she's in the simulation was great and I was mm-hmm. so hyped for her and where she was going because yep. like, it, it, it displayed everything we love about her, how she's able to work things out and control the situation when you think mm-hmm. that she's not in control and and then that just completely went away. As soon mm-hmm. as she met with Sorok and he's got a literal remote control that can turn her off, which at the end turned out to be like useless anyway but um like that just killed it like why why are you doing this i just i don't think they know what to do with her i just they don't know what to do with that character anymore they know the fans love her Mm. um they made her into a like a super powerful badass last season and they they, are they honestly, they wrapped up her story last season. They really did. Like her fighting for this daughter that she had, having an emotional connection to her, getting her to the afterlife, and then dying doing that. That could have been her story. To drag it on beyond that, she's lost motivation. She's lost anything at that point. I don't know. It just doesn't. They don't know what to do with it. I, Maeve and Dolores, both of them, 
come across as uncomplicated, uninteresting characters at this point. And they keep trying to tell us that the hosts are more complicated than humans, that humans are really basic. They're actually really easy to understand and predict. And the hosts are somehow way more advanced and complicated than they are. And there's nothing in the show that makes me believe that. Nothing in the storytelling of what the characters do that makes me think they're more advanced than any of these humans in any way. There's nothing special about them. Yeah, it's really hard to watch a bunch of characters that are taking themselves so seriously, mm-hmm. but saying mm-hmm. the most really dull things. That's a really good point, actually, about Evan Rachel Wood, who I think is great, yeah. but she, but Dolores is so bland and serious. Her best scene by a mile is the first scene of the season when she's talking to that guy, um, she, like they've she's gassed the rest of the house and she hasn't come out and like you know gets essentially gets into a point where. He, kills himself by running into the pool or whatever. Mm. It's like, that was a fun Dolores moment. She never has much fun beyond that after mm. that moment, I don't think. I'm trying to think of a scene where she does. It's not really there. Yeah, the show is yeah, very much devoid of fun. I think one of my favourite moments was when William is in like that group therapy and he's doing mm. one of his classic monologues and one of the people people in the group therapy was just like oh my god what's wrong with you <laughs> which i just enjoy because every time he speaks i'm like shut up no one cares well let's talk about william then the man in black paul mm. how do you feel about his inclusion this season i think he appears in episode four i think is his first episode four or five um yeah i mean it just kind of went nowhere and especially to the end where you know he just got killed by the robot version of himself mm-hmm. it just seems like they didn't want to do this storyline but they knew they wanted the next season for him to just be the robot man in black so this is just getting him from point a to point b like he was literally a MacGuffin himself at one point by having like the virus in his blood like he's it just felt like an afterthought and yeah um ed harris has said publicly that he didn't like this season, doesn't like what they did to the character. So mm. I can understand why. What do you think, Damask? Oh, it's fucking annoying to have a show with not one but two characters, really, just doing random shit, seemingly, because I could not track what was happening, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest with you, until the end. And it's clearly, oh, it's because they've got something to do next season. Fuck off. Why are you wasting my time? Like, if they have no real purpose in the plot as like, yes, they're doing things, but it's not because of who they are. It's because someone needs to do them. That really bothers me. Either just give it to a random person or have someone else do it where it actually makes sense or whatever. But I just, I fucking hate this show because it's, I'm so sick of like waiting for like all these things to come together for a satisfying end, not to have a satisfying satisfying end, but instead for them to be go, but wait till next season because then they'll do something cool. It's this- bullshit. It's, there's you, no point ha- trying for a satisfying end if it can't have a satisfying middle, though. Like the road to get there has not been fun at this point. No, it's not but sometimes, you know, a show can pull it out of its ass. But yes, no, I agree. I, I don't like it, but I would prefer at least satisfying something. Look. Vincent Cassell is a fantastic actor. I'm a fan. But do you think the William stuff could have been fixed if they just cut Insight out, cut Sarak out, made mm. um, Rahaboam a Delos invention and William in charge of that? And that way, William would have had something to do 
and it all could have tied together with characters we already knew. Maybe, but I just don't think we've got any sort of idea that William's behind a company that's also controlling the rest of the world outside of that, I guess. Like, we've got mm-hmm. so much of William's backstory, it would have been hard to put that in. Maybe maybe you just have to tell that story differently. Maybe there's another mm-hmm. way to get to that point. Maybe he's been building this thing that's going to do this rather than it's already been in place for however long. Yeah. But it did feel like that, like, yeah, he, he was short-shrifted. They didn't have a lot to do with him. They were just trying to pay off. Because do you understand... Or do, do, do you feel like the idea is that the part where we find him, where he's talking to the uh, hallucination of his daughter, is meant to be payoff for the end the end credit scene from last season? Do you guys remember this? Of course so, I don't. So <laughs> the, the end credits se- uh, sequence last season was like set in the far future and he wakes up in like dusty whatever. True. That was what was said outside of the show by the creators. But considering they start with her, they sort of resolve that a little bit, move on and then kill him and replace him with this robot one. Do we think they've retconned that? Because it's not really a retcon because it was only ever said outside of the context of the show that that's what that was. To me, it felt like that was them trying to pay it off pay off there was like oh it wasn't really set in the future it was him like torturing himself with this uh the, the with what he did mm. and that was ju- that's what that was oh, that's how i felt because they're going to turn around and, f- and try and pay off that scene later like well done i guess but i don't know i think they were looking for an exit see i yeah. thought it the way i understood it when i watched it was that where the end credit scene in this season with bernard waking up all dusty was mm-hmm. in the same timeline as him waking up Dusty in the last end credit sequence. And sure. that it's some future, and that was the robot him in the last season. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe because I was thinking of, did you guys watch Dollhouse? Yeah. Uh, some of it. Oh, okay. See, that show did a very similar thing season one and season two. Season oh, I one, love that. Yes, season yes, one yes. Ended, uh, ended with like a an extreme flash forward and then yes. season two resolved that same flash forward. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of thinking maybe every ending of a season of Westworld coming forward is going to end in that future. And then right at the end, we actually get what's happening. Sure. Sure. Okay. I'd like to believe that. We'll see if that's the case. We've mentioned Bernard now. Uh, how do we feel about his inclusion this season? <laughs> Got him doing. I wish we were still doing video. Damascus' face really said it all there. Damascus, what do you think? Um, well, pretty much that's kind of what I was speaking about before. That's the like, other random character? Yeah. I, one, I, I didn't know what he was really doing. He was always popping up places and he's like, oh, I guess Bernard is here doing something good for him. Don't really know what it is. Um and none of it really ends up being of consequence to what else is happening. And then he hangs out with his wife and then he puts... Who we only ever saw in fake flashbacks Mm. or fake because there were like an AI construct that Bernard was um, talking to in Westworld season one. Does that make sense? I don't think we ever saw Arnold with her. Of course it doesn't. It's Westworld. But yes, it does. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think we ever actually saw Arnold with Gina Torres. I think we only saw Bernard talking to Gina Torres 
and his son via like a video chat in season one from memory. Mm. So it's not like we were attached to this character at all or really mm. attached to his relationship with these people either. No. Yeah, no, I'd yeah, long yeah. forgotten all about that backstory. And then when he walked in and saw the photo, I was like, oh, that's right. He's got a dead kid. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 if William's story felt like an afterthought, Bernard's story felt like an afterthought of an afterthought. Mm. It was just like <laughs> they really were like winding their gears like, what the fuck are we going to do with this character? But again, it started off super promising. Mm-hmm. All the stuff with him sneaking back into Westworld. Mm-hmm. I, okay. I was thinking that he was going to stay in Westworld and that would be our like, you know, key into going into that side of things. But he, then he just left so quickly. Apparently they swam away. He, they, <laughs> they, he went there to get stubs, basically. Like he went there to get Maeve, actually, is what he went to do, was mm. the idea. He needs someone powerful enough to kill Dolores because apparently he's there. Dolores brought him back from her own memories, gave him a body, and then said, I want you around because... And the reason for that by the end of the season is because he has the coordinates or whatever it is to... He's got the encryption key or whatever. The encryption yeah. key the for Robot Heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which to me seemed like that was like... The idea was that at the end of that season, you can't access it anymore. It's somewhere far away. Mm. It's been cut off. You're not going to get to it sort of thing. It's not like it's accessible. It got sent away so it couldn't be got back to. The, the, the idea that they're making that now MacGuffin in itself is really annoying me that they're doing that. Just mm-hmm. leave... Leave that plot line finished. It's funny, like, talking about this show, and I feel like all I've had to say is negative things during this discussion, mm. but I still... That's the influence of us. That's Damascanized <laughs> influence. Because after the end of every episode, I was like, oh, fuck, I just wasted an hour and I hated all of that. Like, I still managed to walk away at these episodes, like, enjoying the experience of watching them. But it's one of those things you just don't think about afterwards and Mm. that's a shame because season one of westworld was the complete opposite the more you thought about it the more rewarding it is and this is definitely a one and done show i've watched the season i'll never re-watch it i didn't mind watching it but there's no way i'm going to re-watch this season yeah, the first season felt like it was successfully building in intrigue until it got to something quite satisfying in its reveal. And mm-hmm. both seasons since, I've started feeling fine about it at least, if not good, mm. and then just watched myself care less and less and less with each episode. To the point where season two, I remember we were watching it as a family unit, quote unquote, weekly, and mm. then we just sort of stopped doing that. We stopped making appointment television and just stopped caring. And like the end of this season was the same thing. I was just like... I, I was propelled early on. I was like excited enjoying it. And then I was just caring less and less and less every episode. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I finished this season and thinking about season one of Westworld and being like, if it had, for whatever reason, just had that season one, I would have rewatched it like a million times. Because, you know, yeah, you get more out of it every time you watch it and there's so much there. But because I've had such terrible experiences since, I never want to touch it. I was like, no, mm. you fucked me over. But yeah, that's how a lot of people feel about season- Game of Thrones now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or the reason I'll never watch Zoolander 1 again because Zoolander 2 banned me so hard. Oh, wasn't oh that that's awful? not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> Zoolander 1's worth a rewatch. Uh, we've kind of very, very vaguely touched on it, but should we talk about Charlotte Hale or Shaloris or Delot? I don't know what you want to call her. <laughs> um, as well, this version of Dolores. 
There was sort of a mystery in episode three. Which AI was it? We didn't know which host it was. Turns mm. out it was just Dolores in a Charlotte Hale body. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we sort of watch her get more attached to her family and sort of drift away from the Dolores side of things and then completely rebel against her at the end as a weird hologram until she now has killed the man. What the fuck is going on there? <laughs> yeah, I think at the, at the beginning, because before we knew who she was, this seeing whoever was within Hale's body, like kind of weirdly, slowly feeling things for that family. I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be quite interesting because clearly she doesn't want to have those emotions, but they're coming up, but also then she's not quite able to connect in the way that, you know, I mean, the kid can tell that she's seems like a sociopath. Um, I thought that was going to be the beginning of something really cool. Um, and then when it was revealed that it was Dolores, I was a little disappointed. I think it maybe I was like, oh, I feel like it's not going to be as interesting. But I saw the potential there. I'm like, oh, maybe it'll all be all about how diff- that convergence of paths going in different directions and how it it you know changes who you are. But it never really got deep enough for me to be go, oh, I see what you're doing there. It just seemed mm. more of a complication, but not for a satisfying reason. I think between when we find out that she's Dolores mm. and the car blowing up and killing her boyfriend and son, mm. she that portion of the show, she had the most humanity of anyone in this entire season. Yeah, sure. she was the only character with clear stakes that I cared about. I actually cared about her getting attached to this family and I wanted her to save that family, mm. um, which I don't think the show really achieved with any other character this season. What or- you described was human drama, which is why yeah. you like you, yeah. you were affected by it because it was the yeah. only time there was any of that in there. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, it's big ideas that are not executed with any like personal stakes properly. They just it's not there. Mm-hmm. I I think part of the problem, and I and I, this is going to sound I don't know misguided maybe. I think Tessa Thompson is great in the show. I don't think she's a bad actress by any means at all, or that she's like doing anything wrong. I think what it becomes a problem, and this is just dumb human brains, right? is I'd probably find this a more compelling like alternate version of Dolores. What if Dolores did this? What if Dolores did that? If Evan Rachel Wood was playing the character as well, I could feel that it was like two sides of the same coin sort of thing, if that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to explore this idea that Dolores can evolve in this different way into this different person with different objectives, then if Evan Rachel Wood's playing it, then my silly human brain that looks at Evan Rachel Wood and goes, that's Dolores, that's Charlotte Hale, doesn't just it makes it work a bit more seamlessly and maybe they could make that work in a future season. I don't know. Well... I think uh, as someone that hosts a body swapping podcast, I'm very... An expert, you might say. (laughs) I'm very much used to having to invest in a character as another character. Sure. Um, And there are tricks to it, like, which the show doesn't really do, to, Mm. like, link the two characters together to make you think... to remind you of the fact that one character is actually another character... Yeah, um, which we don't is have a those bit of a cues, Yeah, yeah, the, the, those little ticks about like, is there a cue that goes, "Oh, that's such a Dolores thing to do," mm-hmm. the way she twists her finger or whatever. Like, there's nothing like that in the show. You're hundred percent right, and it is. There's something missing there. You, it's hard to connect the two as being 
versions of the same entity. You're mm. spot on. I'm going to ask, just from a body swapping point of view, which is one of the reasons we got you on for this episode as well, I think it was your idea again. Yeah. What? How do you feel about Westworld as a body swap show? Well, I think as it goes on, it's becoming more and more of a body swapping show. And mm. especially this season, like Dolores, uh, you know, swaps into three other bodies and everyone switching switching forms and um i i think though it doesn't really lean into that as much i don't think it even leans into it as much as what altered carbon did which we reviewed last time no no, um but um i mean it's there it's an element of it but um it's definitely not the focus of the show in any in any way You asked whether Serac should probably have just been William. Did we care or we compelled by Serac's storyline at all? I kind of was intrigued in the idea that Paris had been nuked. That was an interesting backstory element and kind of made me wonder why we never saw like a a French world in Westworld. I feel like that's something that maybe people would have lingered, like uh, pined for, was a place they could go back and like walk Mm. back into Paris as it was before it was... Yeah. nuked into oblivion sort of thing that would have been a cool way to connect that idea because it's an interesting thought mm-hmm. um but beyond that this sort of like twin brother who's an outsider and we never really attached that idea or serac in general i don't know yeah didn't i didn't mind the idea of like these two kids that had s- survived some pretty fucked up circumstances mm. um building something for the betterment of humanity and that one of them does have like mental illness like you know that could be interesting but once again it it never got there like I when that their backstory was playing out I was invested like I was sitting there and watching and be like oh what like where is this gonna go um but like everything else I didn't get what I wanted from it it didn't amount to a whole lot I don't Mm. think I think if we got to know the brother a bit more like if we spent time with the brother and we would have cared about like anything he was doing or why he was doing things, but the show never really gave us that opportunity. Well, it would have just been interesting, I think, to to maybe get some evidence that what Serac had done was incorrect. I know the uh, the idea of like removing people from the system who are like outsiders and will ruin the predictive nature of it is bad in of itself. But then, again, you make it a human element. Let's meet this brother. Let's get to understand mm. him and why he has value that should not be removed from the equation, basically. And we just, Mm. we don't get that. We just get told that he sort of deteriorated over time and then he put him away. Like that Mm. was the, that's what it amounted to was being told this stuff. We didn't get to Mm. experience any of it. Um, uh, We should get to final thoughts, but can we just remind you for a second, there was a scene, an action scene, of course, because there's lots of action scenes in this, where Clementine came back and the Mm. Japanese version of Armistice I can't remember that character's name, but like the one with the tattoos. Hare, Hariyamo? Oh, I don't know. I probably and then, that, yeah. And then there was the the other samurai guy or shogun world guy who I was going by the name of Sato, I think, yeah. in the real world, but mm. his original name started with M, I can't remember. Masashi. Masashi, thank you. That was a scene mm-hmm. that didn't it did happen, have... Yeah. It did, did happen. <laughs> and then yeah. those characters were there for one scene... And did they ever appear again? And yeah, why do we was really she there? know who they're working for? No, Maeve brought them back. Maeve brought them back. Not to have anything to do with what Maeve was doing from one moment to the next, but just to do that scene to a character 
that we had one action scene with that really wasn't important to even season two of the show. I, it just was so misguided. just felt mm. like people like Clementine, so let's bring her back for this bit. Like, I just did not understand it at all. Yeah, yeah and the I fan like, favourite. Mm. And, and uh, Clifton Collins Jr.'s character in the, in the finale, same thing. He's like rocks up out of that van. He's like, hey, it's me. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, I who? forgot about that too. The other Dolores guy. Oh the one, yeah. He yeah. he was the guy that was leading um William around for ages, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. In yeah. the first yeah. two seasons, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, he's there. We have no reason, no idea why Dolores have cho- has chosen that form specifically mm-hmm. because oh, it's, right. it's, it's got because nothing- he was in previous seasons. That 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 that's the answer. <laughs> that's right? that's why Dolores did it. Yeah, yeah. That is the answer because you go, <laughs> oh, it's that face. But it's still just Dolores in there. He literally could have looked like anybody. It wouldn't make a difference. Mm. They've made mm. copies of existing people in the real world. They don't need to use forms of people from inside the park. What the fuck is going on with this show? Mm. I feel like it's table setting like now that we know these actors are in the world, so in season four they can show up and we know why they're there. But does it lose value? Like we get a couple of scenes with Musashi, Dolores, and what's his name, Dolores, right? Mm-hmm. And the other one was the Irish guy who was like um, involved with Delos and Inside or whatever it was, yeah. right? And they're all Dolores still though. And like, I get the idea they can evolve into other people, but if they were the other AI, I would have already have a little bit of attachment to them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I would have something to grab onto right now. They're just Dolores in different skins doing stuff that I don't understand for reasons. I have no idea why. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's nothing there. It's, it's complete void of story or meaning. Yeah. Yep. I think that's enough of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Did you guys have any side notes? I don't think I did. I think I was just furiously writing notes of like, fuck this. I don't want to be here. So no, I don't. <laughs> um, I just have to say like, um, I just really want to reiterate how much I love the production design. And mm. um, if I've if I had never been to Singapore... I would have been like, this is amazing. This is the future. But mm-hmm. like if you got like it and they use a lot of real locations that I've been to and are beautiful, uh, but the way they recontextualize them in the show, it just looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Some of the technologies that they created were really cool, like that mirror that like changes your clothes and you're in the shop and all these like little details I thought were really cool and well done. Um, I think the best piece of tech in the entire show was Dolores's black little mini skirt dress thing that turns into a flowy dress that she walked I gasped around. when I saw that. I was like, That oh, was great. Reveal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was great. Made no like there was no reason for it to have done that. But it was, Zero. It was amazing, yeah. <laughs> the effort, yeah, it didn't mm. serve any purpose. It wasn't disguise. It wasn't about subterfuge. It was just to make an entrance you to know, the four people who were standing outfit. around the stairs outside the yeah. place they were having. Everyone wants an outfit where you can go from business to party. And she fucking nailed it. Did you guys, uh, there was another piece of tech in there that I was, oh, the holograms. Because mm-hmm. Serac most of the time was a hologram, right? Yeah. yeah. I feel like holograms kind of break the world. Like there was a bit in the first, actually first scene with Dolores where he made the guy put the AR glasses on and the AR stuff works for me. If you've got that limitation mm-hmm. where you can't tell what's real and what's not, 
because you have a piece of gear on. If you take it off, then you can. Mm. That's fine. But once Serac can just always be a hologram wherever the fuck he wants to be, it and just th- loses any... He, it, 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 yeah, it's too powerful. It's too... And I felt like the show was establishing the AR technology and stuck with that. And then it was only yeah. the last couple that they just sort of like, fuck it. He can always be a hologram. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, so- it seemed like it was all over the place. Every time he was talking to Maeve, he was a hologram. Every time, blah, blah, blah. It just kept being a ho- I don't know. Mm-hmm. And the way it just sort of fades out. And I kept thinking, I was hoping there was going to be a reveal, actually. Do you remember in, sec- in the second episode where Maeve figures out that they're in the simulation, right? Mm-hmm. And so the we get the letterboxing, but we also sort of see the background starting to like fade away a little bit yeah that's what his hologram sort of was it didn't have like a digital effect it was like it sort of just faded or burnt away i was like mm-hmm. what if the whole world is a simulation i was like are we gonna get to that place Apparently. i hope not <laughs> at this point four, I baby. Not. um any other side notes there paul um no i i yeah i oh and the uh, sorry yeah and the score i loved the score i loved when it was like more orchestral, but then mm-hmm. when it was like that really like sci-fi techno-y kind of thing, my whole house was shaking to the point where like things were falling over, like physical things in my house were falling over because the bass was so heavy. Mm. I cool. just gets me going. Yeah, I think when most episodes had finished, Angela and I would look at each other and she'd be like, well, at least the score is good. So, <laughs> agree. <laughs> I always enjoy when they do like the remixes or, or orchestral versions of a pop song as well. Mm-hmm. Like they, they they've been doing that since season one, making them the West, the piano, we, you know, Wild West versions That's of a right, recognizable yeah. song, or whatever. That's fun. I enjoy yeah. that side of the show always. All right, yeah, go on. Uh, I was oh. gonna say, and that was like such a cool thing because in, in the first two seasons, you always had that reminder that the world that they're in mm. is a theme park and right. everything would have been designed for that in mind. And as someone that goes to theme parks a lot, I really appreciated that. And I think the show has lost a bit not having that theme park element to it because it mm. was fun. And it, yeah. and as much as it sucks if all the robots did an uprising and killed you, I always would want to go to a Westworld theme park. Like, if they open one next week, I'd fucking go. Like, it's you're 100 percent right. And this is where I say the show became more generic sci-fi. Is that one of the things that made the show unique and itself was the theme park part of it? Like, because that is such a fun little playground to work in. And if we've learnt anything from what's happening in the world currently, it's that there will always be rich people who are ready to kill, you know, the population to start making profit again. They mm-hmm. want to rush people back into, yeah. you know, the economy, jumpstart the economy in the US. Who cares if people are going to die of coronavirus? I think that kind of made There's it almost... There's no reason Westworld wouldn't have come back. Yeah, it made <laughs> me, like, m- believe it less, I guess, when everyone got their, you know, app notification about their life. And so, apparently, the world is ending because of that. With yeah. what we've seen, it's like, well, no, most of us would just go home and, like, wait for it to sort itself out. Like, we're not throwing Molotov cocktails through windows we're like you know it's it's not the end it's bad but it's not the end of the world and plus like you know we've got all the scientists and doctors in the world right now telling us the facts about 
coronavirus mm. and COVID-19. And today I was scrolling my Facebook feed and there's people that I've known for years reposting articles saying that it's all a hoax and yeah. that they actually believe that. So mm-hmm. do you really think people mm-hmm. would believe a random That's app so coming true. up on their phone telling them, like, in three years your daughter's going to get addicted to heroin? And, like, <laughs> no one would believe that. No. Agreed. Uh, some side notes of my own. Just some lines that I thought were notable. <laughs> mm. Robots don't kill people. People kill people. That's a nice <laughs> Tess Thompson line. Uh, this one I thought was interesting. The rats drowned painlessly. I'm not sure. I don't think drowning is painless. I think drowning is actually pretty awful. Have you ever like accidentally snorted seawater? It sucks. <laughs> it's really awful. I don't think I it's thought a pain. you were going to ask if we'd ever accidentally drowned anything. I was like, no, mm, but not it's that like, I know of. <laughs> Um, there was a line from Maeve in the last episode I just thought was really out, just so weird. No one plays with the large ball, darling. And she's, I think she's referring. What did referring, that mean? Yeah, I, I was, I was trying to figure it out. Is that like, is it like English slang for some, some sport? It's like a soccer thing or something like that. Mm. I wasn't sure. I think she's just talking about Rehoboam or whatever it is. It's a large oh. ball. No one plays with the large ball, darling. I was like, that is a terrible line that should not have made it through the first. Congratulations draft. on being able to say that ball's name though. Rehoboam. Rubber dubba dubba doo. I'm going to thank uh, the Decoding Westworld podcast for that because I've been yeah. listening to Dave Chen and uh, Joanna Robinson talking about it a little bit. Hey, if I wasn't listening to that podcast, I would have half the things to say in this episode because they make things so much clearer <laughs> about what the fuck's going on. I've actually only listened to the first episode. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to skip to the last one now. I just want to see where they ended up with it. Yeah. I haven't they, listened to they, it since season one. Yeah. They started the same place we did. Especially Dave was really mm. enthusiastic, and it's like I can hear him trailing off. Yeah. Uh, some of my the highlights of the show. Oh, we already talked about the reverse camera bit in the first mm. um, episode. I did like there was a bit where they were infiltrating um, the place where Solomon was, and Dolores had the sniper rifle with the drone that went around like mm. told where everything is, and then she had to just look, sort of like line up the dots and shoot them. I was like, that's a cool piece of tech and would make for a really fun video game. I'd like to be like, mm. set myself up in a position, get my drone, take it around, pinpoint the people, then go back to my character, and then like that would be a, that'd be something out of Metal Gear Solid or something. That'd be very cool. There was. Game of Thrones world was hinted at as well. Yes. Uh, with the actual dragon, dragon. I think it was Drogon <laughs> and in the, there as well. And the creators of of uh, Game of Thrones. So, pardon? Was that D.B. Weiss and... Uh, Benioff and Weiss Benioff. Were, the, were the two tech people with the dragon, yes. I oh, did not know that. That is very interesting. This is why I get for not listening to episode... <laughs> Two of Decoding Westworld, apparently. Um, right, there you go. Did you enjoy that? I enjoyed that for what it was. I was kind of wishing we'd just get into medieval world or whatever, but mm, it yeah. was fun. Yeah, I mean, it would be nicer if we as a collective society had nicer feelings towards Game of Thrones. But now <laughs> it's true. like, you know what? Maybe instead of like organizing this cameo, you could have put some more thought into the last season. Yeah, absolutely. I guess they would have been thinking like, oh, this will be a real moment where like they're passing us the torch that, you know, Game of, Thrones, Game of Thrones is giving this to Westworld. But now we just hate both these shows. So it's just like, no they've certainly passed the torch in terms of my feelings about the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just some little musings at the end here. I said I still love the theme song and I do. It just doesn't suit the show anymore. That, that mm. like very uh, precise and like considered theme song doesn't suit what the show is now in terms of just like action sci-fi. Um, I kept thinking as well as the show went on, 
how much more successful The Good Place is as a television show. As like a show that has a big idea, has mm. a big reveal at the end of season one, and then rather than trying to double down on having another big reveal like that, just follows through with the concept and makes sure it's emotionally tied to its characters and has an amazing payoff. It's not always perfect. It stutters and struggles at times, but it never devolved into the mess. And that's like a freaking 20-minute sitcom about, but like is much more successful as like science fiction or fantasy or whatever you want to be as a, as a, a th- uh, thesis or a thought experiment. It's so much better than Westwood is now. Mm-hmm. Least favorite and favorite episodes. Paul, what was your least favorite episode? Okay, so my least favorite episode was episode seven, Past Porn. Mm. So this is the episode where I said earlier a lot of it was set in um, that abandoned medical facility, which just looked like shit. But the reason I hated this episode is because 90% of it was Rahaboam um, doing an exposition dump (laughs) that just went forever and spelt everything out in such a boring way. Mm. Like, show, don't tell. This is like... Uh, amateur level stuff here like this show should have known better than p- to present the backstory in this way Damask? My episode was actually going to be episode 7 as well um, I guess at that stage I was so bored of Aaron Paul's character and we get you know his backstory and guess what guys he killed his friend which was like very obvious <laughs> for at least I don't know the majority of the season um, so that wasn't interesting. I was just kind of like, well, thanks for wasting my time. It was, yeah, I, the first half of the season was great and then just got worse and worse and worse. And the second last episode, at this point, I just checked out, at least with episode eight, I was glad it was just going to be over. But episode <laughs> seven, I was like, oh, there's still hours to go. Yeah. <laughs> my least favorite episode, I was tossing up between... At, at, for a while, it was episode five genre for the reasons mm. I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. But I have to give it something as much as it completely failed to execute on that idea. It was attempting to do something fun, I guess. And it had the backstory with Serac, which was not worthless, right? Mm-hmm. Episode, I think episode eight is my least favorite for because I was just done with the show and it just evolved into exactly what Westworld shouldn't be, which is mm. mindless video game action. I don't care about Maeve fighting Dolores with a fucking samurai sword. For the second time, two episodes in a row, they've d- resorted to this. It's like, I feel like they're trying, they think they're doing the bride and like um, uh, the character, the other blonde character from Kill Bill or something. I think they, they think they're like, it's Titans mm. fighting. It doesn't feel like that at all. Mm. It just feels stale and boring. And I just, I, have, I don't care about this show by episode eight at all. Uh, what was your favorite episode, Paul? Uh, that would be episode one, uh, Pacha Domine. Um, like it was just such, such a excellent introduction into the world outside of the parks, um, showing us all this cool new tech. And it was like a, such a big reset for the show, showing us, a clear and concise story that we could follow. Um, and like, I cared about what Dolores was doing. So obviously it didn't keep that up, but it was enough to bring people back into the fold, which I think was 
the um, purpose of that episode. So, the mask. Oh yeah, episode one is amazing, but I have to give it. I have to have to give it to episode three for its bisexual extravaganza <laughs> of Tessa Thompson and Evan Rachel Wood canoodling, if you will. Sure, at this stage, we don't know that they're one in the same. They're both Dolores. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who it was. I didn't care. Just watching those two bisexual titans come together in such a sensual scene was all I needed. Um, so it's definitely that episode. It's also the episode where um, Aaron Paul and Dolores finally meet. And so I was like, oh, okay, we're getting to that next step where we're going to find out more. So that was exciting as well to propel me into the next half of the Oh, right, season. because we got the whole second episode was made, wasn't it? Like we yeah. didn't get any of them. Mm. It wasn't until episode three we came back to them. That's right. Which yeah. I quite, again, I was enjoying that as yeah. well. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to episode one for the same reasons Paul did. Mm-hmm. I just, I was in. I was surprised by how, like I was so off at the end of season two to have this fresh new start and to be pulled into it as well as I was. I was mm-hmm. like- Cool. This is exciting. You got me back in. Well done, show. And I give it full credit for that. Um, yeah. And episode two being all about Maeve being so focused, as much as I didn't like it as much as the pilot, I thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I. It's funny. This obviously, we're coming from different perspectives. I saw the Evan Rachel Wood and Tessa Thompson thing as being more like mother and child. I didn't see it as particularly like sensual in that regard at all, but maybe Well, it's I'm- because both actresses are some of the sexiest bisexuals ever to live, brod. So, so it's so just payoff that- for you, is it? Yeah, it's like, so it was like, oh, uh, my dreams enough. can come true. It does get better. Yeah. I can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, do we have any predictions, hopes, or concerns going forth? I predict you cannot make me do this again. <laughs> this is it. I can't believe I came back for season three. I can't it's only believe I, of Paul. I convinced you. Yeah. So, but, fuck you, Paul. But <laughs> so it's what, not if we get, again. what if we get Evan Rachel Wood or and or Tessa Thompson on the show as well? I would will do whatever you want. What happens if season four starts off with a scene of Tessa Thompson finger-banging <laughs> Evan Rachel Wood in extreme close-up? Would that bring you back to the show? Then I will go on YouTube and watch every fan video ever made of that scene to any song. That's what I'll be doing. <laughs> I'll make um, my own, actually. <clears throat> so, Damascus out. She's not coming back for season four. <laughs> Paul, do you see yourself coming back for season four? Yeah, I'm definitely going to come back for season four. Um, I think as much as it's frustrating that they didn't do what they were supposed to do this season, I think it seems like it's setting everyone up in a really interesting place for the next you season. Fall. They've done it to you again. (laughs) I think because I didn't have a bad time with this season, so I like it's as much as it's frustrating talking about it in retrospect. Mm -hmm. In the moment, it it entertained me. So at at least I know at minimum I'll get some like good production design and music, and get to see these like incredibly attractive and talented actors doing something mm-hmm. in a pretty futuristic landscape. So, yeah, I'll be there. Um, did you have any predictions about what the fourth season might hold or any hopes as to what it does? I hope that Maeve uh, is given agency in mm-hmm. the next season. That she... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Jeez, we're asking for a lot here, Paul. <laughs> Um, I hope that Caleb just has a mysterious accident and dies in the first episode. Oh, no, he's the leader of the revolution. He's John Connor in this world, apparently. Uh, 
I would love this next season for them just to jettison him and it just be about, well, I guess Dolores is technically dead now, Dolores Prime, but mm-hmm. who knows with or this she's, show. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, but like if she's gone, at least center it around Maeve and give mm-hmm. her something to do and let her make decisions and that's all I really want. And if they can work out a way to get it back to the parks as well, mm. I'd be happy with that. As, uh, um, but I don't know how that would be possible at this point. I just now that humanity is falling down around their ears, I don't see them going back to the park or having the the park being the park ever again. I think that's just off the mm. table, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, as well, knowing that Dolores can just clone her own pearl, and like. I think it is an easy out for Dolores. She could have just done a backup of herself before all this happened mm-hmm. that wakes up later. There was a backup body hanging around um, that Caleb got access to in the last episode as well to bring her back from the brink. It's Lucky like, that was there. It's just like there's <laughs> oh, yeah. always there's always an escape, so I'm, I can't imagine they're not going to get Evan Rachel Wood back and Dolores mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. if they want to. I hope what they do is have a massive time jump. Let's get to whatever future it is that Bernard is in, that potentially the Man in Black is in from the end of season two. Um, maybe start from that moment of Bernard waking up in the hotel room, follow him around as an audience surrogate, getting up to speed with where things are in the world at that point. Like it looks like a lot of shit's gone down. It's a lot of time later. There's oh my god, I'm having flashbacks war. to season two of following Bernard around, who's really confused about what's going on. Yeah, but not in the, not in the like his mind is jumbled way. In the like I don't know what I'm waking up to, so it's being explained to me. Therefore, it's being oh, explained no, to like, the audience. When you tell me, it sounds great, but I know the way that they will interpret it was like, how fucked up can we make it? Yeah. But do you know what? If it's set like 100 years in the future, guess who's going to be dead? Caleb. That's That's true. That's what I was thinking. Then (laughs) then what you have is if you need to keep Aaron Paul on the show contractually, you just have a couple of episodes that include flashbacks as to what happened post the ending of this season, basically. And that's Mm -hmm. how you keep him in the show, but also jettison Caleb completely. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, I will not be watching season four. (laughs) Fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. No, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> I always get that wrong. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And I was fooled. Uh, the trailers were intriguing. The mm. show had me hooked at episode one. I thought that they had learnt. They had not. Mm. And I, I will not be making the jump. about the trailer. You're like, oh, but have you seen the trailer? It's really it, cool. And I because- just raised my eyebrow at you. You fool. You, you're just was, a fool, fool stop. At that point, all we had were two data points. Season one and season two. <laughs> season one, amazing. Season two, mm-hmm. a, f- a mess, but an ambitious mess. Season three was trying for something else. It's like maybe they can pull this out of the fire and it was looking good for a while, but I do not trust them to do it again. It was a it's one like you boys season want wonder. to be hurt and I don't understand why. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, listener, for checking out this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. I should also say uh, the transitions and the the opening video stuff on the video um, portion is done by my brother Liam Gordis. You can find his work at goodgravy.media. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, bgordis. O-R-D-E-S. Damask. That's me. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. I also have a new podcast out. It's called Seizing Up. 
Yes. Check it out. Oh, inspiring stuff getting me through this pandemic. <laughs> You're welcome. Let me tell you. You're welcome. Uh, Paul, tell everybody where they can find you and about the Swapcast podcast. Okay. So, again, uh, Swapcast podcast is a show we do. We are dedicated to body swapping movies. We review a new one um, most episodes. Um and our latest episode, we did a film called Bad Johnson. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's a film. I where- saw the post. I saw, well, I think it was the poster. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Which was yeah. upsetting, but alluring. <laughs> yeah. So it's a uh, Cam Gigandet from the Twilight movies. He's a, a sexist womanizer who one day wishes that his penis would stop ruining his life. So then it becomes a sentient human being who then decides that, is that it's... separate from his body or that is still attached yeah. to his body. No, no. So he's he's like a he's like a smooth Ken doll and his penis has detached and become its own separate human. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but the the penis person is like super racist and sexist and is kind of a pedophile and tries to kill his girlfriend. It's a comedy. Um, <laughs> so uh, these are the kind of movies we cover on the show like Quality, important pieces of cinema that need to be explored and discussed. So um, I, I highly recommend uh, listening to that episode in particular. But if you go through our back catalogue, everyone's like, oh, you know, oh, you did Freaky Friday. You did 13 Going on 30. I'd love to listen to that. Just ignore that. Listen to the episodes of the movies you've never heard of mm-hmm. or the posters that look like they're fucking horrendous because they're always the best ones. Yeah. Um, um, I, should I watch this weird disembodied no. penis one or just no. listen to the podcast? Just listen. And that's the okay. best thing. No homework required. Just listen to us. We've done the hard work for you. Excellent. That's like what I love about um, how did this get made is that so, I mean, a lot of them I have watched, but so many of them I haven't, but I just jump in and it's just, it's perfect just to hear them describe the insanity. Yeah. Mm. And if, if it's really that enticing, like uh, using how this get made as an example as well, I will then go and watch the Yes. The movie. Like yeah. you can go and do it later if you really Heavily want to. Heavily under the influence of whatever. It's I not going to ruin it for you. It's the same with the Swapcast podcast. It's not going to ruin the movie for you. If anything, it's only going to enhance it. Yes. Um, so uh, we've got some good ones come up as well. Velocipasta, where a priest turns <laughs> into a dinosaur. So, like, there's some quality stuff coming. Velocipasta. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> um, so. Wow. This is a gold mine. <laughs> so, if you're not. Subscribe, just go do it now. Um, Swapcastpodcast.com, um, just Google us, we're on all the socials. So easy to find us, just the Swapcast Podcast. You can find us everywhere. And can we find you specifically on the socials as well, Paul? Uh, or you yeah, prefer so, just Swapcast? Uh, no, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Return of Smith. So I won't, ex- I won't explain why that's my name. <laughs> I want to believe that's a <laughs> Matrix like reference. It's, it's actually a Kevin Smith re- reference. But, um, oh. yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Return of Smith on uh, Twitter. But um, yeah, follow me, follow the show. Beautiful. Cool. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Next episode, we have not actually settled on exactly what the next episode would be. I think we've got some things in the lineup. We haven't discussed what that's going to be exactly. We'll get back to you on that one. But I, I think I'm, I'm going to try and get the bonus quarantine episode done this week. So we're going to have to find a time when we can record that, Damas. But we've got some great mm-hmm. submissions now. So I'm really looking forward to putting that together. So look out for that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time on the Hunting Seasons podcast. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Good night, everybody. And so,
All right. You ready to mask? I am ready. All right. Oh, wait. Hello? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>